Hello, and welcome to Teens Talk Sex Ed, a podcast where teens talk real sex ed, share stories of being peer sex educators, and answer the burning questions you don't want to ask your parents. All of the podcast host members are members of Planned Parenthood's Teen Council, a program where high school students learn all about sex education and teach in middle school and high school classrooms around the city. Let's talk about sex ed, baby. Hi, my name is Abby. I'm a junior and I use she, her pronouns. And I have with me two other people if they want to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Liza. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm also going to be a junior. I'm Emma. I also use she, her pronouns, and I am also going to be a junior. Wow, we're all the same same person. Um, So yeah, so our episode today is just all about abstinence and birth control. Um, So to start off, I just want to ask, what was your knowledge of birth control prior to your sex education? Basically, all I knew from movies and stuff was the condom and the birth control pill. Um, Yeah, that was basically it. I I didn't really know about anything else, um, just birth control-wise. And then I didn't really know that there was a word for being abstinent either. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, same. Birth, uh, the extent to which I knew birth control was the pill and the condom, um, which I think if you look across the board, that's kind of, that's pretty common. And especially like at a young age when you're not really necessarily looking for birth control options. I think like as you are older and situations change, people become more interested. You learn just naturally. But I think regardless, it's important to have like know all the options and have correct and accurate information. Yeah, for sure. I think I like really this like same I really only knew about like the condom and like the pill but there are so many other ones that could like work for your lifestyle like a lot better so yeah it's really important um to like know all of them and Liza I liked how you said like you didn't really even know about abstinence because I feel like that's one that people probably don't even realize is a form of birth control um but it really is and we'll get more into that today um, so now we're going to get into all of the forms of birth control, and there are five categories. There's behavioral, barrier, hormonal, IUD, and surgical. And something that I just want to note is that in Alaska, parental consent is not required to get any forms of birth control. Um, and we'll also be talking about some of the policies regarding birth, contr- birth control, and they're specific to Alaska, so they may differ wherever you're living. So just keep that in mind. All right, so I'm going to be starting off the discussion today talking about behavioral, um, the behavioral category. So there is abstinence, which is the only 100% effective method, and we'll go way more into this later. Um, and then the second behavioral method that we're going to talk about, or that I guess this is us talking about it, um, is withdrawal, also known as the pulling out method. So it's only a couple percent more effective than not doing anything at all, not having any contraceptives, and is less effective by far than any other method of birth control we'll talk about today. 
um, when using this method, the penis would pull out of the vagina before, before ejaculation. Um, and this method isn't very effective because pre-cum or pre-ejaculatory fluid can come from the penis during sexual excitement, which can contain sperm that can carry STIs. And in the pulling out method, the person with the penis wouldn't pull out when the pre-ejaculate fluid is coming out. They would only pull out when the ejaculatory fluid is coming out. Yeah, so that's behavioral. And so now I'm going to talk about barrier. So um, basically the main form of barrier birth control is the condom. Um, so condoms, uh, besides being the most, um, probably the most popular form of birth control and well-known, um, they are 98% effective and they prevent um, sexually transmitted infections and pregnancy. So we actually have an anonymous question asking, how do you put on a condom? And Abby, do you want to go through the steps? Yeah, for sure. So um, the first step for putting on a condom would be to check for consent, making sure that everyone in the situation is um, okay with whatever sexual um, activity you're going to be doing. And we actually have a um episode about consent with liza in it um yeah uh and me um uh, coming out that'll be happening soon okay so next you want to check the expiration date and that the package is intact um so this means making sure that there are no tears or punctures in the packaging um which you can check by um which you can check by looking to see if there's air in the package. And it's really important to not use a condom that's packaged it's punctured as it will most likely not be effective. Um, so this is a really important step. Next, you want to pinch the tip of the condom um, and this just keeps air at the t out of the tip of the condom leaving room for semen after ejaculation. And does one of you wanna read our little fun fact here? I will. Um, so what's cool is that semen travels at 28 miles an hour when it is released from the body. So faster than cars can go in the neighborhood, which is like really fast. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so crazy. It's really fast. Um, so if so that just shows like if you don't pinch the tip of the condom, then the um, then the the semen will break through the condom because it's yeah. going so fast. There's just not room for it. And like with this step, it's kind of like you think of the tip of the condom should be like the tip of the hat of a sombrero. We like to refer to it just as an example. Um, so next, just in our everyday lives, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, um, next you're going to roll down the condom to the base of the penis. Um, and then you would just do whatever, you know, have intercourse with the condom on. And when you're taking it off, hold on to the condom while pulling the penis out of the sexual partner. Um, and this is important because now that there's semen inside of the condom, it's important that the condom stays on the penis until it is fully out of that person's body so nothing can get into that person's body. Um, so then dispose of it, and of course, and, you know, have a great day. 
Um, so you can actually order free condoms and STI test kits from inomine.org if you're an Alaskan resident, um, which is pretty cool and we would definitely recommend checking it out. All right, so now we're moving on to hormonal birth control. So hormonal birth controls work by stopping the release of eggs as well as thickening the cervical mucus so sperm can't get through the cervix, which together help to prevent a pregnancy from occurring. So the pill, which is one of the things that we talked about earlier, one of the contraceptive methods that we talked about being the one that we knew prior to any sex education, um, and it is 99% effective. It prevents pregnancies, not STIs, sexually transmitted infections, which there's an entirely different podcast about, um, which I don't know when it will be released or if it has already been released based on the timeline. Um, but it prevents pregnancy, not STIs. And it needs to be taken at the same time every day, must be prescribed by a doctor. There are some variations based on the time or um, things like that, all based on what the doctor tells you, what the doctor tells their patient. Uh, it, it works different for different people. So it also helps with cramps and can make periods shorter, lighter, and more regular. It can prevent ovarian cancer and uterine cancer, and it can also help treat acne. So once again, all these are what the pill does for different people and they're also different side effects of the pill and it totally depends on you as a person it's not going to be the exact same for every person so we have a anonymous question here which is i forgot to take my pill two days in a row can i just carry on with my pack and the answer is unfortunately you cannot you have to restart with a new pack of your birth control and it's also that's because the um, pill links up with your ovarian cycle, with someone's ovarian cycle. So if you miss a day, then it is like off of a, off a day. But also talk to your doctor, figure out some pills are different. Um, some packs of pills are different. Sometimes it can be hard to get access to a different pack of pills immediately. Um, and another question is, I've been taking the pill for a few months and I'm starting to gain weight. What should I do and is this normal? So it is not uncommon for people to gain weight. Again, it is another side effect of the pill, but every person is different. So while some people might gain a lot of weight, some people might not gain any weight at all. And if it bothers you, then you can talk to your doctor or healthcare provider to look into other forms of birth control that may work better for you. So moving on from the pill, we have the implant, which is basically a match size stick rod that's inserted into your upper arm by a healthcare provider using a numbing shot and then a special inserter tool that slides underneath the skin. And it releases hormones and lasts up to three years. And you can actually, if some of you know where it is, you can kind of feel it in your arm, but it is very difficult to like break while inside the arm. It's very rare. And that's, I know that's a thing that a lot of people worry about, which isn't necessarily the thing to be worrying about. Yeah, thanks for that, Emma. So I'm just going to go over um, our last form of a, um, hormonal birth control here, which is emergency contraception. Um, so this is also known as the morning after pill. Um, a popular brand is Plan B, and it can be used if someone, and it, 
can be used if someone doesn't use another type of birth control or their birth control fails, like um, if a condom breaks. It's effective up to five days after intercourse, but works best um, the sooner you take it, and it really only works if an egg has not already been released. Um, so as I said, um, a popular brand is Plan B, and this brand is actually better suited for people with a lower BMI body mass index, while Ella, another brand, is made for people with a larger BMI, but is only by prescription. Um, and it's really Plan B, or emergency contraception, is not meant to be um, taken as a primary primary form of birth control, um, and it can be bought over the counter without parental consent, regardless of age and gender. Um, so we have an anonymous question here, which is, I had sex last night, but we didn't use any protection. What should I do? Um, so assuming that this is penis and vagina sex, there, are, there is a possibility of two things. One, a pregnancy occurring, and both of you transmitting slash spreading an STI. Um, so those are the two um, possibilities right there. So if you're worried about a pregnancy, depending on how recent you had intercourse, you could take an emergency contraceptive. And it's also possible, it's also possible as I said, that STIs could have been spread um, to either of you. So it's a good idea to get tested. Now on to Liza. So the fourth category of birth control is the IUD. And so the IUD stands for intrauterine device, which basically just means um, it's a device inside your uterus. So it's a small piece of flexible plastic shaped like a T, and sometimes it's also called an IUC, um, meaning intrauterine contraception. So a person must go to a healthcare provider in order to have it inserted into the uterus. And so this is because trying to insert something into your uterus at home um, could be dangerous. Um, and so um, stuff like that is always done by a medical provider because they are trained to do it super safely. So there are two forms of IUDs. Um, the first one is called the copper T or the copper IUD. So this one actually contains no hormones and it prevents pregnancy for up to 12 years. It is a T-shaped piece of plastic wrapped in medical grade copper that is inserted into the uterus by a doctor. Um, and so it works by the copper because the copper kills sperm. It is 99% effective and it act one thing that's cool about it is um, it can be used as an emergency contracep contraceptive if it is put in within five days after intercourse. Um, and this is because the copper in the um, copper IUD will kill the sperm that is already in the, um, in the body. And then um, the second form of IUD is the hormonal IUD. And so this one works by um, using the hormone progestin um, to prevent pregnancy by thickening mucus on the cervix, which blocks sperm um, from entering the cervix in the uterus. Um, it also stops ed eggs from releasing. It works for three to seven years, um, depending on the brand, and is 99% effective. 
And so with both of these IUDs and um, also the implants that Emma talked about earlier, um, if someone wants to take it out earlier um, before it, it, ex it expires, um, they can just by going to their doctor. Okay, now we are moving on to surgical forms of birth control. All right, so the first one is tube occlusion which is for people with uteruses or uteri, um, also known as getting your tubes tied. And it permanently closes or blocks the fallopian tubes, preventing an egg from getting out of the fallopian tubes and therefore meeting with a sperm. Um, and then the second one is a vasectomy, which is for people with testicles, uh, people with penises. And it's when the tubes in a person's scrotum that carry sperm are cut off or blocked and it prevents sperm from being able to leave the body through ejaculation and they are often reversible but it isn't 100 percent of the time that they can be reversed um and an example of them being reversible is when michael scott in the show the office in the episode the dinner party which is really just an iconic episode all in its own um admits that he has gone three vasectomies because him and jan can't decide if they want kids so <laughs> fun fact yeah props to liza for making that connection <laughs> Um, so yeah, now just as a little closing, I just wanted to say that many people um, use two types of birth control at the same time, as some prevent STI, some prevent pregnancy, some do both, um, but it's really just important to find a birth control that works well for you and your body. So another role that people might not think about is abstinence, and abstinence basically means not to do something. Um, so we're here kind of having an open conversation about abstinence, about the benefits of abstinence, and the challenges of abstinence. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Um, yeah, so I just mean, we're definitely just talking about abstinence in a more sexual scenario, I guess you could say. Um... Yeah, I mean, as of, like we were saying before, when we were going into like our own sex education, I feel like none of us really thought of abstinence like as a legitimate form of birth control, but it is like it's the only 100% effective and free um, and always available form of birth control, um, which is really um, convenient for a lot of people. Yeah, um... Yeah, I think it's also cool because um, people can choose to be abstinent from certain activities and non not abstinent in others. It ju it just depends on their personal needs and if um, if they have access to birth control, other forms of birth control, um, and stuff like that. And also, I think. Um, maybe the word abstinent kind of might scare people off sometimes, but often when someone is just be, is being abstinent, which just means they're abstaining or not doing um, a certain sexual activity or all of them, um, they just say like, I'm choosing not to have sex right now, or they just don't really talk about it, you know? Um, it doesn't really have to be, that's what's kind of nice about being abstinent. It doesn't have to be a whole thing. Unless it needs, unless like you're in a relationship, 
and you knew. Yeah, right, right, yeah, no, you don't have, like, people, I feel like, usually don't announce, like, I am abstinent, like, maybe some people do, which is totally fine, but it may just be, like, I'm just, like, choosing not to have sex, or abstaining, or doing, like, um, not doing, like, one certain sexual activity, um, which I think with abstinence, I feel like there's definitely some challenges, um, just, I don't know, like, things like peer pressure, um, it, I mean, if you're, like, with someone, it requires a lot of, like, good communication, because you want to make sure, you know, you're on the right same page, and I feel like that, um, good communication is also important with any other form of birth control you're using, because, you know, you want to make sure that you're, um, being safe, and, you know, preventing pregnancy and STIs, if, um, so, yeah, um, do you guys have any other challenges for people might face? I would just like to emphasize um, the communication point. Super important, especially with like everything that we've talked about today and how we mentioned earlier, like being abstinent from one sexual activity doesn't mean you're abstinent from all sexual activities. Um, and basically just like knowing what you're comfortable with and communicating that to the person or people that you're interacting with. I think that's super important. Yeah. yeah um, for sure. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Liza. Yeah, being abstinent also could be hard just because, like, human nature, like, um, people are attracted to other people. Um, people, it, it feels good to be close to a partner um, if you're in a couple. I don't know. Or it's just stuff like that. So um, there are lots of challenges. But, yeah, just making sure that there's always good communication and um, planning, stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, there's people who, even if they're not worried about, like, pregnancy or STIs, like, they can, they're still abstinent just because, you know, it could be religious or cultural beliefs. They're not ready to have sex. Like, they don't feel like their relationship is ready. Um, and, I mean, those are all valid um, reasons and, or even, like, past experiences maybe are causing you not to want to, um, have sex, so you're abstinent, um, which are all, uh, super good, and, or, so obviously super good reasons, um, but yeah, I think really just not even just with abstinence, but abstinence, but with all birth controls, I think just knowing what you want, and, like, um, having good communication with not, like, yourself and others, it's just really important. Yeah, so the only way that um, anyone can practice abstinence or um, or just prevent STIs in birth control effective or, or um, prevent STIs in pregnancy effectively is to um, just know uh, what people's boundaries are um, and have a plan um, and like for uh and then so if someone might want to stop abstaining from a sexual activity having a plan um about how to protect yourself um like a backup plan and stuff like that and then also um i like just evaluating how pregnancy and parenting fits into um some your immediate and long-term goals because um you know it's like a, a big yeah, um, yeah, definitely, like, what Liza's saying, just, like, knowing, like, having a backup plan or something just in case, um, 
you know, your abstinence or whatever you're doing, it like just doesn't work out. Um, and yeah, I would say like really just know what you want. Um, because that's like the best way you can then like go into being able to, um, protect yourself. Um, so our last little part that I just want to talk about is just like, um, talking about abstinence or really just any birth controls, um, like with your partners. Um, so ways that people, um, might effectively or better, more effectively, um, talk about abstinence with their partners, um, is by just being honest and upfront, um, and just clearly communicating and make, making sure that, um, everyone in the situation is understood, um, and then also talking before the moment arrives, because I think, um, you know, it's, it, it can, um, an effective discussion is um, probably most, it's mo a discussion is most likely going to be effective if it's um, away from, uh, or if it's like without emotion and desire. <laughs> um, and it's kind of just objectively like what do um what does each person want rather than if um it were in the moment it would kind of be um less uh, uh clear and um yeah yeah no that makes sense i think like just having your plan and like whatever method you're going to use like um like planned out um before is definitely probably a better way to like proactively um protect yourself and making sure like in the moment um you're all like squared away and you have the protection you need um so yeah i think that, i mean um that pretty much wraps up I, our conversation here um i would say yeah. communication communication yes communication that's it we just well, keep it's a little more complicated. But that's one that's, good thing. That should be a big takeaway from this. Yeah. yeah. If you take away one thing, hopefully it's that. And yeah. there's lots of methods out there. Exactly. That you can use. Okay. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of Teens Talk Sex Ed. Remember to submit any questions to Anchorage Teen Council at gmail.com. DM us on Instagram or harness your carrier pin. Pigeon. Let's talk about sex ed, baby. Have a great day and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Woo.